<laughs> so, uh, did you ladies order room service? I was gonna use that! <laughs> what a jerk! <laughs> Wait, did I steal your way to introduce the episode? I was just gonna, I was gonna do that at some point. <laughs> I don't know when I was gonna do it, but I was gonna throw it in there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you want to do it, we, I'm not going to steal your thunder. We, you very Branch much can. <laughs> <laughs> I just figured, like, you know, I'm just going to catch you off guard and just steal the intro from you. So. <laughs> <sighs> Welcome to Always and Forever, a One Tree Hill podcast where two lifelong friends and super fans analyze the greatest teen show from the early 2000s. This episode was not brought to you by a name brand deodorant, but it was brought to you from listeners like you, which this week I'm going to share a review from Marsaw22. The headline is, I love it. Five stars. Thank you. And the review reads, another great podcast to get me through this pandemic. The hosts are so relatable and I can't wait to rewatch OTH with them. Thank you so much. Yes, another rewatcher. <laughs> Love <Yes>. it. <laughs> and I really like that we're getting this person through the pandemic because I don't know I don't know about you, Caitlin, but honestly, this podcast has gotten me through the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. We started this podcast because of a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, we have a lot of free time. Why don't we do this? <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, I need all the podcasts that I can get like to listen to during mm-hmm. the, this time. Yes. It passes the time, basically. Yeah, it's definitely been a good, like, it's been a great escape from reality. I, like, you know, just talking to you all the time about One Tree Hill. It's just a nice little escape from, like, the cruelty of the world. And you know what to expect, because we've seen the show before. <laughs> so yes, that's exactly. nice. <laughs> it's comforting. It, that's, th- there's a meme that goes around, too. They say it's better to rewatch shows that you've seen a million times, because it's, like, better for your anxiety. Mm-hmm. And because you, know, you always know what's coming and whatnot, rather than watch new things. Because honestly, I'm always like that too. Like I'll rewatch something a million times just because it's comfort food. And One Tree Hill, I think, is our comfort food. Yeah, personally, I like to rewatch shows more than watch new ones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> because it is comforting and it makes sense. Because I'm a very anxious person, so your explanation makes a ton of sense. <laughs> Yes. And I know you don't always know like what you're going to get from us with these podcast episodes. That's always unpredictable, but we like to think that we've alleviated some anxiety from you or from like your life and whatnot. I hope so. Yeah. I hope we're not I mean, anxiety inducing. Yeah, I mean, some of our Peyton versus or some of our Leighton versus Brucas um, yeah, fights those could be. Yeah, battles are really tense. <laughs> So we apologize for that. But just know that Caitlin and I do love each other, right? We do, right? Uh, some days. Uh, 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 all right. Um, let's let's I get mean, into this episode. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, being honest. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, all right. So um, so this week we are discussing Spirit in the Night, the 17th episode of season one, which was written by Terrence Coli, directed by Dwayne Clark, and originally aired on April 6th, 2004. Always and Forever is spoiler-free, but stay tuned after the credits for a fully spoiled discussion. Somebody told me that this is the place where everything's better and everything's safe. 
The annual Sparkle Classic cheer competition is almost here, and Brooke feels pressure to beat the team's rival. The basketball team also prepares for a big game this weekend, so Whitey enlists Lucas to coach Nathan on double teams, since Lucas still can't play in the game. When everyone arrives in Charlotte, Teresa comes down with the chicken pox and Brooke panics about the cheer routine. As a result, the entire cheer squad practices the routine throughout the night with help from Haley, who has agreed to step in as a replacement, and Mouth and his very sexy dance moves. The next day, the cheer team puts on a stellar performance. Even though they don't win the competition, Brooke receives the award for Best Original Choreography. Go Brooke! During the basketball game, Nathan uses what he learned from Lucas in order to win Whitey's 500th game. Go, Whitey! In other news, Karen and Peyton's dad, Larry, chaperone the away game together, and surprisingly, there appears to be some chemistry. Is there, though? Is there? That's what they're leading us to. Okay. Well, I mean, we'll talk more about that in the space of the episode. Anyway, and Keith continues to be unhappy about the changes Dan has made to the auto body shop and decides to quit. Perfecting my cheer routine, I'm Caitlin Illinich. And all duded up for a Saturday night, I am Jeremy Rodriguez. So this week's episode is titled after the song Spirit in the Night by Bruce Springsteen. What were your thoughts, Jeremy? Well, for one, that I took my intro from that, all duded up for a Saturday night. <laughs> You're right, that was a lyric. <laughs> I didn't catch that until now. I was between that and um, in the phone book under S for sucks, but I thought, like, that's very homophobic. Let me just, you know, which I'll talk about a little bit later. So I decided to just, like, you know, roll into the Bruce Springsteen reference. I was thinking about doing the... (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's funny. (laughs) But you ruined it. I'm sorry. You ruined it. I was going to break out and say that at some point. (laughs) <laughs> oh gosh well i mean you can still do it honestly i feel like it'll be fun just do it at like a random point all right i will <laughs> you know do it on and out catch me off guard <laughs> okay anyway but yeah this song i don't really think there was like a deep like impactful meaning other than the fact i feel like the song's about a party and that's what this episode kind of is it's kind of a party what did you think yeah kind of a celebration i didn't really know what to make of the song i thought <laughs> I thought it was very strange. And I agree with you. There's no deep connection to this episode at all. So we have some characters on this song. We have Crazy Janie. We have Wild Billy, Hazy Davy, and Crazy Joe. So which One Tree Hill characters do you think represent all of these characters, Caitlin? I want a good and in- depth analysis <laughs> in 10 minutes or less. I think Crazy Janie is Brooke in this episode because she's really neurotic. <laughs> and it's hilarious. <laughs> But she really is. <laughs> okay, so Wild Billy. I have no idea. Who would be Wild Billy? <laughs> what do you think? I don't know. <laughs> the lyric was Wild Billy and his friend G-Man all zooted up for a Saturday night. I think Wild Billy is Tim. I guess so, yeah. And like G-Man represents like the entire team going to that, a That's a good that's a good analysis, yeah. Going to a male strip club. I have no idea who Hazy Davy and Crazy Joe are. <laughs> Hazy Davy? Killer Joe? Yeah. I don't yeah, I don't have an analysis for those. <laughs> Wait, Hazy Davy could be um could be Teresa with the chicken pox because she's not feeling well, so she's in a haze. 
That's true. I would say, like, if there was someone who was drunk this episode, it would make sense. But yeah, nobody really no got one drunk. Was, really? So yeah. I don't know. And Killer is, Joe is, is it Killer Joe? I thought it was Crazy Joe. I'm looking at the lyrics right now. It says Killer Joe. Okay, Killer Joe. Who was Killer Joe? Whitey, because he killed it. Five hundred games. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with that. I'm pretty sure this was their big intention when they chose this song to title the episode after. Oh, yeah. They definitely carefully selected this. Mm-hmm, exactly. Each each individual represented a different character. It was, it was very, very smart. Good job. <laughs> Good job, writers. Um, <laughs> oh, that was, that's hilarious. So anyway, in this episode, we see Lucas and Nathan work together. They're roommates. Um, Nathan's kind of like a stubborn little jackass because he's like, no, I'm not going to be able to win the game with this strategy. What, what, what was the what was the game strategy? It's not a free throw. What fade was away. It? Uh, fade away. Thank you. Thank you for the sports, sir. What is a fade away? I don't really know. Do not ask me. I am not a sports person. But it helped him with double teams. <laughs> so... <laughs> So good job, Nathan. I I love you. So basically, it was just like a strategy to help Nathan because Lucas wouldn't be in the game. Mm-hmm. It was basically to help him with any like weak spot that he could have potentially. And I like that Whitey enlisted Lucas to help. It was unexpected, but I feel like it kind of puts Nathan in his place a little bit. Like you might be the best on the team, but there you can still learn something new. You know. Oh, yeah, totally. It, like, stops you from being a little bit arrogant. It stops you from, make, from thinking that you own the place. Exactly. He has such an ego already. So this humbles him a little. And then it ended <laughs> exactly. up working. It ended up working in the end. And they won the game. Yeah. So he ended up listening. I mean, there was, like, a moment of hesitance where you felt like Nathan's not going to take this advice, but then he ends up taking it in the end. And that was just nice to say. It was very subtle, too. It wasn't, like, this big epic moment or anything. It was literally just, like, a small moment. Like, oh, he listened to Lucas. Okay, good job. It wasn't, like, this overbearing thing. Like, Nathan did walk up to Lucas at the end of the episode and say, thank you, man. You're a very valued member of the team. It was just a very subtle way of showing how the relationship is changing. And Nathan even mentors Lucas a little bit. And that's kind of what motivates Lucas at the end of the episode to make that shot. Yeah, you're right. You're talking about the how- They went into the basketball court together before the game, and they were just talking and about like pushing through, even when it hurts. Yeah, because Nathan had an injury of his own, right? I forgot the exact details of it. Yeah, I don't remember that part either. But y- yeah, he had a he had an injury of his own previously, and he just said like, "Oh, I just kept pushing through. Like, I made one basket, and then I just kept going." And then Lucas makes a basket at the end, and he's like, "That's one." And that was a feel good moment. I really liked it. It was, and you know, now that I'm really thinking about it, they both helped each other mm-hmm. in a different way. So their relationship is progressing. Even though there's still tension, as we saw when they were talking about Haley. Nathan called Lucas out and said, like, the way you're treating Haley isn't nice. That's what he said. The way you're treating Haley isn't nice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, excuse me, I don't remember the dialogue exactly. I I don't know, that just sounded sounded funny. Like, it isn't nice. (laughs) You big boys, you're not nice. He How called dare him out. you? And it was you true. Meaty. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Lu- Lucas was being a jerk to Haley. 
Oh no, he totally was. And that actually um transitions us to um to one of our listener messages for this episode. So this message is from our listener Jenna, and they wrote I always want to smack Lucas for his comment to Haley when she's filling in as a cheerleader. Dick. And I'm in full agreement. Yeah, it's it's not. It's not a good look. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Because, I mean, for one thing, and Haley even points this out too, both of Lucas's former girlfriends were cheerleaders. So it's like, okay, you, you can have... You can have sex with two cheerleaders, or, or I mean, he didn't have sex with Pan, but you, you get the point I'm trying to make. Um, but you can't like be best friends with a cheerleader. It's like it's like it's not okay if you know you can't objectify Haley because she's your best friend. So that's why it's like it's not okay for her to be a cheerleader. There's just a giant like patriarchal message there. Why so much judgment? Exactly. There's like no need for that. She just jumped in as a replacement. What's the big deal? They were in Mm -hmm. need, and she helped them out. It still supports the basketball team, so there's really nothing to complain about. Yeah, and Lucas tried to say, like, you know, she used to be so original, and Nathan's like, well, honestly, she's still the same Haley. Yeah. She's just showing off a different side of herself. I'm actually going to read a quote that I had written down from that that moment you're talking about. Nathan says, as far as I can tell, she's still the same person she's always been. The only difference is now she's with me. So maybe the problem is not with her. Maybe the problem's with you. Yes. And the one that I can say is like, yeah, it is It is problematic that Lucas was acting this way, but it is called out within the story. Nathan's words pretty much speak for themselves. And I think it was awesome to see him call Lucas out for being a jerk. <laughs> Definitely. So that's why I'm like, okay, I have space for this particular storyline because it is being called out within the narrative. Most of the things that I don't have patience for are the things that that are just seen as okay, which is, like, a lot of Brooks' casual homophobia in this episode, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Like, that's not called out at all. Meanwhile, this thing with Lucas, it's called out as being problematic, so... Yeah, it definitely is. This storyline is okay at the end of the day. And I think it puts the responsibility on Lucas to, like, think about and reflect on his actions. <laughs> Definitely. Because I think he always he always thinks that he's, like, the best guy. But some of his actions recently are showing the opposite. And, yeah. you know, the former bad guy, Nathan, although he still is bad in some ways, but he's becoming better. He's changing. He, he's definitely changing. It's just funny that he's the one to point that out yeah, to Lucas, definitely. you know, how, how Lucas is acting. Yeah. Lucas is slowly but surely starting to become more like Dan. <laughs> yeah, that's... That's true. And I, one funny part. <laughs> <laughs> what? One funny part that I want to mention about the Scott brothers being put in the same room. And Whitey, that was just a funny moment with Whitey. And he's like, yep, alphabetical order. Scott, Scott, unalterable. <laughs> with that <laughs> smile on his face, it's just so funny to me. Which, I gotta say something about that moment. Okay, so, the Scott brothers have to room with each other, but then Brooke Davis and Peyton Sawyer also have to room together? Uh-huh. What What's going on there? <laughs> I think it was just Whitey's excuse to get them in the same room. Oh, it totally was. <laughs> I mean, that showed by, I mean, it's not like you just spelled out specifically, but like, come on, like, Brooke and Peyton have to room with each other, come on. Unless this, unless the cheerleading advisor, who you'd never say, has their own set of rules. I don't know. 
hey, it makes a good story. <laughs> exactly. So also during the away game, we have two chaperones, Karen and Larry, who are working together to keep the kids in the hotel room. And then they all sneak <laughs> out anyway. <laughs> just classic. They are not good chaperones whatsoever. And I just got to say, like, when you, I don't, you know, neither of us are parents or anything like that. But like these, these chaperone duties, like they're not paid or anything, right? It's volunteer. I think it's just volunteer work. Yeah. So why is, why did Whitey yell at them? (laughs) Got so angry. Oh my God. That is one of the best scenes of the entire episode. And it kills me every time I see it. Because you think he's yelling at the kids. <laughs> and then it flashes to the parents. <laughs> it's just so good. It is so good. And they're just looking like, well, this is awkward. <laughs> like, what? It's so funny, Jeremy. <laughs> I don't know why, but it is. It's such a good scene. Oh, no, it's hilarious. <laughs> but I just... I just find it funny, like, I don't think this would happen in real life. I feel like it'd just be like, okay, um, I'm very disappointed in you, um, but I still need you as a chaperone. Um, you're not going to be a chaperone next time, because you fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> but this is one of, like, the strong points of this whole episode. There's so much comedy to it, and it <laughs> it's just so, and this is one of the scenes. I love it. Yeah, this is a fucking great episode. I really, really love this episode. It it really is. It's one of the highlights, I think, of season one, personally. Yeah, which was also something that Jenna said. So yeah, we got two messages from Jenna. Oh, awesome. Yes. It it really is, though. Like, I I always look forward to watching this one. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I think it's one of the highlights of later season one. Well, maybe the entire season, honestly. Oh, the whole season. I don't think it's the best episode of season one, but I do really, really enjoy it. It's one of the top top episodes for me. Yeah, it's like an event episode, and I really enjoy it. It is. Because mm-hmm. it, it feels like totally different than what we've seen so far, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, another funny moment. I like how Karen got pulled into chaperone in. One of the booster moms uh, <laughs> comes into Karen's cafe and was like, Hey, Karen, how was Italy? You know, we really missed you at the silent auction and the pancake breakfast. And, and Karen's like, all, all right, like, when does the bus leave? <laughs> And this is right after she asks Keith to come over for dinner that night. Mm Mm-hmm. That kills me. I know that's a total side tangent, but... No, go on that side tangent. It's great. Ugh. They (laughs) they finally look like they might be heading in a good place. She asks him to come to dinner, and he says yes, and then the next moment, the booster mom's coming in. And you just can feel for Keith. Like, I was thinking about it immediately. You know, like, what about dinner with Keith? And then you get that phone call when Keith, Karen calls him to tell him, and he's already dressed and ready to go. So sad. Yeah, he's like, oh, like, we're really busy, so I was going to have to cancel anyway. So that was really disappointing. Like, poor Keith. I know. So what? what's the chemistry between Karen and Larry? Like, what are they trying <laughs> to show? Because, like, you're right. They're, they're trying to show some kind of chemistry, but... I don't really see it there. They're just kind of, they're just getting along and laughing together. And I don't know. Because, Caitlin, did you know that men and women cannot be friends with each other unless there's sexual tension? Did you know that? Mm hmm. Except like, Lucas li- and Haley. That's why I love ex- them. Ex- except Lucas and Haley. I mean, I know between you and me, there's a lot of sexual tension <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> 
I mean, you used to like me in kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs> yup, I just went there. <laughs> Are we going to talk about this now? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Wow! <laughs> wow! <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, um, <laughs> you were in kindergarten. <laughs> yes, we were in kindergarten, and that was part of like you know heteronormativity being like, hey, oh, you you, you really like this girl, right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, she's fun. I love hanging out with her. And then everybody would be like, okay, so you like her, like her. I'm like, I, 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 I guess, I guess I do. <laughs> That's exactly how I sounded in kindergarten. So that was like a big heteronormative, like patriarchal bullshit. So, yeah, definitely. But yeah, sorry to disappoint you, Kayla. <laughs> <laughs> Kayla tried to own this and be like, I was the first and last woman that Jeremy was attracted to. <laughs> Little five-year-old me. <laughs> No, I, I know there's Britney Spears, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Britney Spears. She's great. But we're, we're not going to go there. But yeah, this this entire thing between Karen and Larry is just, I, I don't think there's anything there other than the fact they're just getting along. I know. They're just two parents getting along and just, you know, they're having fun chaperoning. Yeah, and did you watch the um this the scene at the Coda too? Um, Karen and Larry are at the or at Karen's cafe, and then and then Larry all she, this is all you hear in the scene. They're just laughing, and then all you hear is Larry saying, "Yes, I remember the way I forgot. I was like, that's what he was saying. That's all he said. I was paying attention more to the music in that moment, and that's hilarious that that's what he was saying." That's all he said. I mean, it was a little bit slower. It was like, yes, I remember the way I forgot. I was like, oh. And then, like, Karen's laughing, too. And that's the moment that Keith walks in. He's like, oh, no. Karen is talking to a man and having fun. That man isn't me. Oh, no. I have some competition. I know. They had to show, they had to put that in there. Overall, a really depressing episode for Keith. We'll get to that, I guess, in a moment here. Yeah. I'm ready to talk about that now, if you are. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, Keith goes through a lot of bullshit with Dan. Um, and he ends up quitting the auto body shop, which, good riddance, but I'm also concerned about how he's going to make money now. I, I really feel for Keith. I mean, I don't blame him for quitting because look what Dan did. He made all these promises that Keith would still have ownership, basically, of this place and run it. And now Dan is an absolute control freak and has just taken it over completely. Mm -hmm. So I don't blame him for leaving. But at the same time, you know, that's Keith's auto shop. It's sad. It really is. Ugh. Why does Dan have to be this way? That's like the biggest question of all. Because he is an asshole. Ugh. <laughs> that's really all I have to say about him. There's not a whole lot of Dan in this episode. No. I mean, it was a pretty lighthearted episode, I would say. Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, he's an asshole to Keith, and you sort of feel his presence, and then apparently um, a marriage, th the other thing that we see about Dan is the, I think it was the marriage counselor telling Dan to stay away from basketball, or to stay away from, like, you know, Nathan playing basketball or whatever. So he ends up getting a satellite dish to play a live feed of it. Oh my gosh. I don't know. Yeah, he's really... Mm, he needs some help. <laughs> Big time. Let's talk about more fun things. 
Yes, the cheerleading competition. Which is yes. like the best. <laughs> yes, yeah, so a lot of a lot of things hit the cheerleaders. We already talked about Teresa getting chicken pox, Haley having to replace her, and you know, we already covered all that. Um Brooke and Peyton also seem to be working together a little bit, and that was really nice to say. I know. Brooke seems to be warming up to Peyton again. A little bit. But at the end of the episode, Brooke is reminded of the fact that Peyton and Lucas cheated. Remember when she's standing by her car and she's looking over at them? Yeah. So I feel like any, you know, they've started to reconnect in this episode. And then I feel like it all of the memories and reminders kind of came back at the end, which sucks. Yeah. Because um, prior to that moment, um, Brooke seems to really be warming up to Peyton. She tells her to um, get in the hot tub because she deserved it, along with Haley. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everything seemed to be going so well until that moment. And then that's what Brooke realizes, like, oh, you know what? Um, my life still kind of sucks. And who hasn't been there occasionally? Where you're like, you know, like, all right, I'm going to push everything aside temporarily. and But now, like, all these feelings come rushing back. So, all right. I'm getting triggered now. Now I have to deal with these feelings. I know. And in a way, it was easy to forget this weekend because the competition was like all consuming and they had all that practicing to do and there were many distractions. Mm -hmm. So yeah, now she has to confront her feelings, which is tough. Back to reality. Yeah. And uh, Brooke is really rough on the team though, isn't she? (laughs) Yeah, she is. I mean, it's funny, but she... (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love the one line where she's like, put some deodorant on. And I'm like, okay, they're really trying to sell the name brand deodorant that I will not name the brand of because this deodorant is not sponsoring us. She says something <laughs> to Teresa. She's like, hit the pits and cover that zit. <laughs> I don't know exactly what it was, but it was something about pits and zit. I think that's what it was. And if not, I, I kind of like your reading of it better. Hit the pits and cover that zit. <laughs> That sounds like a great, like, I don't know, song. Hit the pits and cover that zit. Hit the pits and cover that zit. That's a good cheer. (laughs) Folks, this is the beginning of Brooke and her hilarious lines. When she's (laughs) all... This is the beginning? You think think this is the beginning? I think, yeah, it kind of is. I feel like we haven't seen it full on, like, Brooke in this episode. I think she's the funniest in this episode than, than previous ones. Really? I don't know. I always thought she was kind of funny, but I guess that's a good argument to make. I'm not saying she wasn't funny. I'm saying this is like the beginning of like the really good stuff. Oh, like peak Brock, you would say? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's all right. That's fair. I, I never really thought about that, but you know what? You Yeah. I thought the I'm humor was, for the most part, it was on point this episode. Oh my God. Spe- uh, speaking of humor, let me just go off topic like real quickly. Another funny line um, happens when... Tim tries to invite all of the other Ravens basketball players to the strip club, which turns out to be a male strip club. <laughs> so funny. I know. I was thinking <laughs> that stood out to me. I was like, oh, my God, this is really homophobic. I mean, uh, I mean is, uh, is it like, would you consider that? Because they're all like, like, ugh, so gross. Covering <laughs> I their have eyes. about that, but. Um, but just to, fin- to finish my um, finish my thought real quickly, though, there's a moment where Tim says, oh, I have this club. They're really loose on checking IDs. And then Tim's like, that's not all that's loose. And then Nathan's like, just say it's a strip club, Tim. That's the beginning of 
of Nathan saying, just say blank, Tim. Yeah. This is the first time that particular joke is said. That's true. He does say that a lot. Because, spoiler alert, that joke comes up several times. I was looking out for it. I'm like, uh, is this the first time? Yeah, this is the first time. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. It. I, I don't know what you would call it, but it was something, I thought. The whole thing, how he's just like, how all the guys are like, oh, I think they were, they were just like disappointed because they, you know, like, hey, we want to see you. We want to see women. This is kind of disappointing. But I feel like the way it could have been done better, cause they could have just laughed it off and just been like, oh, really? Come on, Tim, you big goofball. <laughs> you know, they could have yeah. just laughed it off instead of being like frustrated by it, you know? Mm-hmm. So... That's all I gotta say about that particular then. Um, you know who I thought was really homophobic, though? Brooke. Yeah, I know you had pointed out this one or two lines. Yeah. A while ago with me. But I want to hear your mm-hmm. thoughts again. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, of course, because the listeners haven't no, heard no our thoughts. They don't, read our- <laughs> they don't read our text messages. <laughs> anyway, um... So, there's a particular line where Brooke goes up to Claire, the head cheerleader of the opposing team that they're competing against. So, we, we get a little bit of backstory that Brooke made out with the with the girl's boyfriends in cheer camp. And then Brooke says, he was a yell leader. He was gay anyway. And I'm like, okay, so? <laughs> yeah, what does that have to do with anything, really? <laughs> Exactly. Like, he was gay anyway. I'm like, all right, you still made out with somebody else's boyfriend. It's like, okay. And then later on, um, I don't remember how, exactly how the conversation went down, but Claire said, like, oh, did you look up those routines under S for sucks? And then Brooke says, oh, I actually found your boyfriend under there. <laughs> Get it? Because your boyfriend sucks. He sucks dick. See, this is funny. Do you get it, Claire? She doesn't say all those words, but... <laughs> you get what I mean now? It's like, all right, like, why are you trying to tear somebody down for being gay, Brooke? I know, and those two instances were, like, right after each other, weren't they? Uh, there's, like, a couple scenes between them a little bit. But they but... were pretty close, yeah. But yeah, she's she's literally using, like, this, you know, Claire's a gay boyfriend as, you know, some type of, like, leverage of, you know, because, oh, he's gay. Like, oh, let's use this as a way to insult Claire. Like, honestly, there's a lot of reasons to insult Claire. Claire's just evil. Mm-hmm. Like, she's an evil person. But, like, why are you using her boyfriend who turned out to be gay against her? Like, okay, who cares? Her boyfriend turned out to be gay. Whatever. Oh, 2004. <laughs> I'm exactly. just shaking my head. <laughs> um, I'm actually going to quote, um, not necessarily quote, but I'm going to cite a podcaster who I absolutely love. Her name is Lonnie Diane Rich, who um, hosts a series of podcasts through this um, production company called Chipperish Media. And um, she hosts a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. And one of the characters um, on the show, um, his name is Xander. That character is pretty problematic if you look at him through a, a current day perspective. And what Lonnie Diane Rich like refers to the differences, and I could be, like, I'm struggling a little bit with, like, how to um, describe this accurately, but we have two versions of Xander. We have Shadow Xander, and we have Light Xander. Shadow Xander is, like, the um, the unintentional consequences and the statements that the writing is making. And so basically, like, you know, there's no consequences whatsoever for Shadow Xander. And then there's um, Light Xander, which is, like, what the, what the actual, like, intentions of the writers were. 
So I like to connect that to Brooke because we have Shadow Brooke, the unintentional consequence, she is homophobic. We have Light Brooke, she's just being snarky. And that's all we're supposed to actually see. We're not actually supposed to see the homophobia there. That's a good analysis and comparison. So yeah, I like to use that as like a as a version. So yeah, Brooke, you're pretty fucking homophobic, but that's not what the writers were intending at the time. Yeah, they were trying to show her as being snarky. Definitely. And I, you'll see that a lot throughout the show, where it's like, okay, you're supposed to excuse, not excuse it, but I feel like there's going to be a lot of that. There's definitely going to be a lot of that throughout the series, picking out like the shadow version of a character versus the light version. Oh, I like that. I'm going to keep that in mind as we continue watching. Cool. The shadow and the light. I'm going to write that down. And if I have that definition incorrect in any way, um, please call me out. Lonnie Di- Diane Rich, if you were listening. I don't know. <laughs> we'll say please email us i will gladly correct it later in this episode (laughs) love it um one other thing i wanted to bring up was how mouth was helping the cheer squad this episode (laughs) and this is like the first time you really get to see mouth as a character because he was always he was just like sitting on the side of the game or on the side of the road record and that's all we really got but now we're seeing like his dance skills (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, that was so, so good. And also, why, why, why can't Mouth join the cheerleaders? I know. Brooke makes a passing joke and says, like, uh, do you want to replace Tudor Girl? And honestly, like, if we weren't living in, like, this world of patriarchal bullshit of 2004, Mouth would totally be in the cheer squad right here. I know. But Haley has to be in the cheer squad because she's a girl. Yep. And Mouth did so well. <laughs> <laughs> I love that he was, like, checking out the other teams, which I don't think that's actually legal, or I don't know about legal, but, like, against, you know, competition code. Uh, yeah, yeah, I didn't even think about that. I would imagine so. <laughs> yeah. But that's a good point, yeah. Regardless, he really helped them out, and I thought that was a clever way to get him a little bit more screen time. I love seeing him on there. Also, just like a little funny thing that I had to make fun of myself for. Um, Mouth tells the cheerleaders that, oh, by the way, three other teams are using junior, senior. And I'm like, okay, what does that mean? Like, they're using junior, senior cheerleaders? And I'm like, ah, they're referring to the bands that they were originally using for the song, because that song is by junior, senior. Caitlin's nodding her head. She's like, yeah, Jeremy, I fucking know this. I make these (laughs) Spotify playlists every week. I know. (laughs) Good catch. (laughs) <laughs> which which by the way if you haven't checked out our uh, spotify playlist that caitlin curates for each episode you definitely should they're in the show notes every single week and we also um link to them on our social media so you better check them out yeah it's a good thing so when we post we post them every week on instagram but it's a good way to like listen to the episode and see what your favorite song is mm-hmm, definitely just like we do in our each episode episode as well yes and we get a lot of responses from other people on social media um which um, jenna i'm talking i'm talking about jenna a lot in this (laughs) in the space of this episode but (laughs) one of our listeners every single instagram post um they mentioned both their favorite song and their favorite musical moment which i'm like all right like this person knows the difference (laughs) i'm liking it (laughs) so yeah Jeremy's a stickler about the musical musical moment and favorite songs, so... <laughs> I'm sorry. The first couple episodes, Caitlin says a favorite song, and I'm like, no, it's musical moments. <laughs> 
Sal. I was corrected, and now I never say favorite song. <laughs> There's a couple episodes where I slept up, too. If you listen to the earlier ones, like, I'm like, oh, favorite, oh my god, I'm at favorite musical moment. Oh. All right. Darn you, Jeremy. <laughs> None of all of our listeners know that dynamic about us. We can start including that in the episode, so we're going to start calling each other out. We're not going to cut it. We're just going to be like, hey, it's a musical moment. Yep. <laughs> and... Because of Mouth's help and Haley stepping in, and basically Brooke, because of Brooke's skills, Brooke ends up winning Best Choreography. Hell yes! So all that hard work paid off. Mm-hmm. I really loved it. I know. I'm glad that Brooke got the credit, and, you know, it was sad that the team didn't win, but Brooke still got credit. So are you supposed to believe that the Ravens got third place in the competition? I guess so. We don't know how many people are in... How many teams were even in the competition? Because they only mentioned second and first place. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing, like, you know, I'm guessing, like, whoever's left over is meant to have third place, I'm assuming. Yeah, I guess. But Brooke wins best choreography. So go her. Yes. Now, let's talk about this amazing coda. I know. I see you have that as a whole section on our outline here. Yes. I started doing that for recent episodes. I, know you I don't did. know if you've noticed. <laughs> I have noticed. <laughs> The codas, I feel like, from this point onward are so, so good that, like, I feel like you have to, like, talk about the song and then just, like, list everything that happens. So, the song is All Kinds of Time by Fountain of Wayne, um, who performs the amazing song, Stacy's Mom. I didn't even know they had other songs, to be honest with you. I'm sorry to say. But, anyway. All right, that wasn't a funny joke. Oh. <laughs> they they sing Stacy's Mom? Yeah. Really? Stacy's yeah. mom has kind of going on. That is them. I don't think I knew that. Oh, okay, cool. So it actually is funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. All right. So, yeah, I, I was really shocked. I'm like, wait, they ha- they probably have like a really long run in music career. I just, I'm just not a big follower of music. There's like different tiers of pop culture. There's music, movies, and TV, music I know the least about. So for all I know, Fountain of Wayne has like this really big thriving music career that I don't know about. But I always think of Stacey's mom whenever I think of them. And it was just kind of funny to see this like really dramatic song right here. <laughs> anyway, during the song, we have Nathan and Haley get into the car. Keith meets Larry, which we already talked about. Um, Whitey looks at the sign that says, congrats, Coach Durham, on your 500th win. We see Keith take his belongings out of the shop. Brooke rips up a photo of she, Lucas, and Peyton, which, oh my god, that moment really tugged at my heartstrings. I know, same. Because she's she's looking at the mirror, and she, you know, she has her trophy, and she's like, yeah, I'm happy. But then she looks at the picture, and she's realizing, like, wait, no, I'm actually not happy. And then she rips Peyton off, she rips Lucas off. And then she's just looking at herself, and she's just realizing, like, you know what? I'm alone. And then she looks off camera, and she's crying. Like, oh, Sophia Bush, just God bless you. She does a really good job. I know. It was heart-wrenching. It really was. And then we see Lucas take a shot. He says, that's one, which we already talked about. And then we see Nathan entering his new apartments, which, by the way, like, I don't know anything about how emancipations work, but... Is it real? Does it really work that fast? Where you file for emancipation, that all of a sudden you're you have your own apartment? In One Tree Hill world, it does. <laughs> also, how does he even afford rent? Like what? That's honestly that's what I want to know. And I honestly wish I did a little bit more research into like what happens for emancipations. Um, but like, is it just like when two spouses get divorced, where like you know you're entitled to money from your spouse? 
Like, does the child get entitled to money from their parents? I don't know, because what would be the point then? I feel like you have to prove that you're stable and that you have some kind of income and that you can, like, support yourself and live on your own in order to be emancipated. Because you wouldn't, how could you be emancipated if you still need support from your parents? It's like the complete opposite. Yeah, but maybe it's more like a, more just like a way to say, like, hey, like, here's a way to get you started. I mean, Nathan obviously has to go out and get a job after this. Yeah. He definitely does. But, like, maybe it's just a way of saying, like, hey, like, you know, here's a way for you to get on your own two feet. Maybe. Temporarily. This will get you started, but you do have to take care of yourself. I don't know how the process works. Yeah. I, I don't know. But if you're a lawyer, please feel free to send us a message. That's funny. But it was really sad to see Nathan go into that apartment and he's by himself. You know, and he he clearly feels, based on his face, <laughs> alone. Like, he looks upset about that. He enters his empty apartment and thinks about how broken my heart is. <laughs> That's the only lyric I know from that Yellow Card song. <laughs> so you're taking over the singing this episode. <laughs> I'm sorry, like, you you haven't said yet, so I felt like I, I had to get us on brand here for a second. <laughs> That's my <laughs> level of singing. <laughs> Which, by the way, let's talk about some of our top favorite moments for this episode. How about that? <laughs> that was definitely one of the funnier moments, honestly. <laughs> Which oh wait I got we should we should actually talk a little bit about some of Jake's scenes I mean there's not much to say um but I really like the scene where Jake talks to Lucas and he says that like oh uh, Jenny's mom came back and Lucas is like oh no and there's like the the irony that neither of them knows about Lucas's previous hookup with Nikki and that Lucas has no idea that Nikki is Jenny's mom so there's like the whole irony going on between the two of them I know it's like oh they don't Lucas doesn't know that it's Nikki and. Jake doesn't know that Lucas knows Nikki, and oh my god. Yeah, that was really They really leave you hanging, because that was a major cliffhanger, and then this episode doesn't even address it. Only that mm-hmm. that conversation addresses it a, a little bit, and then earlier, he says something to Peyton that there's been new developments, and then we're cut off because Brooke needed Peyton. <laughs> it was like an emer- cheer emergency or something. <laughs> And then she does one of, you know, my favorite variations of that line. Guess who's in the lobby? I'll tell you, Claire. (laughs) Okay, Brooke. Okay. (laughs) She was really feisty in this episode. (laughs) I love it. We love to say it. All right. (laughs) Back to talking about our favorite moments. Uh, What was your favorite quote? So, speaking of Brooke's funny lines. (laughs) Beautiful. They're in the hotel room, and this is right when we were just talking about. She calls Peyton Mm -hmm. for the emergency cheer meeting or whatever. Peyton says, and if an angry dance-off breaks out, I got your back. And Brooke says, great, just don't stick another knife in it. I thought that was Uh, so funny. Oh, my God. (laughs) What is that? Wait, what was she even saying? Don't stick another knife in it? Don't stick a knife in the cheer routine? In her back. I think she was trying to make it. Huh? Don't stick another knife in my back. Oh, she said, don't stick another knife in my back. I thought she said, don't stick another knife in it. Meaning 
Peyton stabbed her in the back by cheating on. Well, yeah, I know. I understand what she's trying to say, but I'm just saying, like, the line that Brooke is saying, it, like, I'm like, don't stick another knife in it. Like, don't stick another knife in the cheer routine. No. Or just Peyton say. In it, meaning back. That's what the pronoun refers to, Jeremy. Do I need okay. to repeat the quote? <laughs> Peyton says, and if an angry dance-off breaks out, I got your back. Brooke says. Oh, okay. She says back. Okay. Yep. I missed the part where she says, I got your back. Okay. <laughs> you totally ruined the humor of that. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to keep that all in, by okay. the way. Me struggling to try to understand that. <laughs> I thought that was a funny Brooke line. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny now that I don't know. I missed the part where she says, like, I got your back. I just, I, I don't know. I guess I just stopped paying attention to Peyton when she was saying that. I don't know. <laughs> and I also like that quote that I shared earlier. I won't repeat it, but it was what Nathan said to Lucas about the mm, problem yeah. being with him. So, yeah, that was a good one. What about you? Um, an honorable mention is when Brooke talks to Haley and says, Thanks, Haley. And it's the first time that Brooke calls Haley, Haley. Oh, yeah. And we see Haley be like, wait, did she just call me Haley? What? <laughs> that was really cute. But my actual favorite line for the episode is when Peyton is talking to Brooke at the ends, and she says, Brooke, you might not be my friends, but I'm still yours, and I'm going to prove it to you. I don't know. I just thought that was really That's a sweet, sweet moment. to say. Yeah. And it just perfectly encapsulated what Peyton was trying to do throughout the episode. Like, she was really, uh, like, she wasn't being overbearing about it because she was calling Brooke out on her shit a lot. But at the same time, she was trying to point out, like, hey, I am here to be your friend. Yeah. They seem to make a little bit of progress in this episode. And that was a nice thing for Peyton to say at the end. Mm hmm. But what was your favorite musical moments? So I liked the coda, which was All Kinds of Time by Fountains of Wayne. Same. Yep. And we, we already went through what happened in the coda, but I just thought it was a really emotional song that kind of set the tone because all of the things that were going on throughout that final, you know, montage of scenes, they were all pretty, like, sad. Other than Whitey getting his 500th win, Keith is leaving the shop, Brooke's ripping up the picture, Nathan's entering the apartment. I mean, I guess it was also nice that Lucas was able to make a shot on the river court. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It just was emotionally, um, it was emotionally tense. But it it like really fit all the moments. I thought. Oh yes, it was perfect. That was also my favorite musical moment as well. With an honorable mention to One Hundred Years by Five for Fighting, yeah. which played right before that scene. I would say that was my second favorite too. Yeah, that's that's just a great song. That's just like perfectly encapsulates like growing up. It does everything like that. It's so, so good. And it was like a cheerful moment of the show. Like, they were all going home. They had Brooke won her award, and and the team just won their game, and things seemed to, like, settle down a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it, it was pretty happy, and then we kind of shift to, like, a sadder song, but yeah, they were both good. It was bittersweet. I loved it. All right. Our ratings. So I gave it four out of five cheer truces. okay (laughs) i i think it's a great episode overall there's a lot of humor which i've mentioned already i think Mm -hmm. the storylines really move they they move the story like overall they move it forward the only thing is they don't resolve the nikki cliffhanger that's what kind of brought it down a little bit for me but oh really that's what brought it down for you okay but overall 
I really love this episode. It, it's definitely one of my favorites of of season one. Okay, yeah. Um, I kind of like that there was like a little bit of a break from the Nikki stuff. It couldn't really be resolved in this episode, but you wonder why, like, they had this episode right after that cliffhanger. Yeah, I mean, it could have had to do with, like, logistics. Like, maybe they couldn't get Emmanuel Valgier for the next episode. I don't really know, like, how that works. <laughs> but yeah, but also, like, I don't know. Like, I kind of like having, like, a little bit of space between, between finding out, so. You say that now because you know what happens. Maybe, maybe. Maybe I'm a little bit biased. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But like I don't know, like I was okay with it. I was I was always like, uh, I don't know. It was fine with it. I was also fine with the whole thing. Um, th- did you watch The Walking Dead? No. Okay, well I'm gonna spoil the shit out of it for you. There's one character who like um, toward the end of the episode, you're led to believe like, oh god, is he dead? Is he did he get killed? And then like you have to like wait until like several episodes to find out if he actually died. And everybody hated those string of episodes. And me, I was like one of those people who was like, I like those episodes. <laughs> So I'm in the minority. I'm like, I don't know. I like having like a little bit of space. Yeah, you really between. are in the minority. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, like um, I remember it was my it was my sister who who posted about this. She said like the episode right after. That, she's like, that was the worst episode of The Walking Dead. I'm like, real? It's not the worst episode. It was a good episode. You're just disappointed because she didn't get to find out what happened next. <laughs> I like instant gratification. I want to know what happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean. Despite the fact that I am actually defending the lack of Nikki in this episode, I am also giving it a four out of five brand's name deodorants. <laughs> and the only reason why it doesn't get a five out of five is because of the homophobia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the casual homophobia, I'm just not really a fan of it. But otherwise, it's a really fun episode. I kind of wish, like, the entire episode focused on the Sparkle Classic. Like, you know, like, everything with Keith and all the things with, like, um, with Karen and Larry, I thought those, like, those moments kind of slowed down the episode, personally. Yeah, I don't think they were really needed. Like, we didn't really need to see what was going on with Keith in this episode. It could have just focused on the game and the cheer competition. Yeah, and I think maybe they were just trying to, like, pad it a little bit with extra content, but... Mm-hmm. And I, I think One Tree Hill gets better at these, like, bottle episodes a little bit, but... I think every moment is, aside from the homophobia, every moment in the Sparkle Classic is just such a delight to watch. I I love it so much. Yeah, I, I agree. It was a, It's a really fun episode. And it was fun to watch, and I don't know, it's just so funny. <laughs> like, I laughed out loud, like, multiple times, and I've seen this many times before. What's, wait, what's the line, what's the line of sprinkle those pits and... <laughs> Hit the pits and cover that zit. <laughs> Oh God! I yeah. Mean, well, aside from Brooke's homophobia, like she's on point with many scenes, just <laughs> being funny. Well, till next time, listeners. Hit those pits and cover that zit. Always and Forever is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AlwaysOTHpod. You can also email us at AlwaysOTHpod at gmail.com. That's always O-T-H-P-O-D. You can follow Jeremy Rodriguez on Twitter at Rodriguez Jeremy. You can follow Caitlin Illinich on Twitter at Miss I Reads. 
Outside of following our socials, the easiest way to support us is by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. That helps One Tree Hill fans, new and old, find us. Now, if you don't want future episodes of One Tree Hill to be spoiled for you, now is the time to turn this podcast off. Otherwise, stay tuned for the spoiler segment after the music ends. We'll We'll be be seeing seeing ya. Welcome to the spoiler segment. This is your final reminder. Turn off this podcast if you do not want spoilers. Yes, please do that. We've actually had some listeners send us messages and be like, wait, I didn't realize you were going to spoil the entire show. Oops. I mean, it is the spoiler segment. (laughs) So in case that's not clear, yes, we're going to spoil the shit out of everything here. Um, among those things is the second Sparkle Classic episode. This is not the last time we see the Sparkle Classic. I know. We have to wait until season three. And I love that episode. Which one would you say you like better? Because I like the one in season three better than this one, personally. I love how season three, that episode, not even comparing it to like season one, but just saying in general, the ending of that episode is so powerful to me. It like gives me chills every time. You talk about how they all join together and they they dance. They just have they fun. They all join together. They dance. And I love the song that's played. Um, <laughs> let me look it up. I know the song. The song's Huddle Formation by The Go Team. Ooh, I did not know that. I can hear it right now. It just gives, oh, that scene gives me goosebumps. <laughs> it kind of has like a printed on vibe. Mm-hmm. Like the song like, oh, Mickey, you're so fun. You're so fun. You blow my mind. Hey, Mickey. <laughs> Like, the end credits of Burn It On. Which, oh, appropriate, because Bethany Joy Lenz is on Burn It On again. <laughs> you brought that up before. I know. <laughs> but it just makes me laugh. <laughs> she was she was on the direct-to-DVD sequel of Burn It On. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy. Anyway. And I know Lucas has his voiceover in the background as well. And this is right before... Is this the episode right before the school shooting? Or is it a few? No. Two episodes before. Two episodes before. before. Okay. I knew it was Mm -hmm. really, really close to the school shooting. So when you're watching it after having known what happens, like, so if you're rewatching it later on, I feel like it it gives me even more goosebumps. Yeah, because it's like there's so much happiness going on, like, leading up to the school shooting, then the school shooting happens, and you're like, oh, fuck. And Karen and Keith are sitting and watching them dance that was like a special moment and i keep i keep thinking i can vividly remember this part of the episode and karen proposes too karen proposes in that episode i just remembered that yeah you're right but anyway uh we get introduced quote unquote to a new character bevan i know this is the first time bevan speaks yeah, we've, okay, so it's so funny, like, every time, I saw her in the previous episode, she had no speaking lines, and I kept wanting to bring her up, but I never found a good organic way to talk about her, and now we do, because she actually says lines. I think her first appearance is season one, episode six. And she doesn't really become a big part until, like, season, season three. three, yeah. So it's funny that she's even in season one. yeah. And she may, uh, she may have a few appearances throughout season two, I'm not entirely sure, but she actually becomes a character in season three. I mean, she's not even really a character, she's just sort of the comic relief. Yeah, that's true. You never really get too deep into her character. Yeah, I feel like at the end of the day, she was just uh, 
she was just a person who was really good with comedic bits. And I just kept saying, like, you know what? This girl's kind of funny and quirky. Let's let's just give her more lines. Yep. <laughs> let's give her more work to do. And they did. And it's always refreshing to see. That's a really good point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's talk about some of her character. She doesn't really have character development, but like in season five, we find out that she's married to Tim. And then they get divorced. (laughs) But remember in high school, she dates skills. Yes. I forgot about that. Yes. I don't know why I forgot about that. That's actually really major. So then, (laughs) then yeah, later on she marries Tim. Then they get divorced, but they have a kid together, I think. Right? Yeah, they do. And she says it so casually. It's in the series finale. Bevan's like, I was married once before, but... I really hated my husband's. <laughs> and but we found out that they were married through Tim. Remember when he came back in that season six episode, I think? Season or, five. Sorry, season five episode? Yeah. We don't actually find out from Tim now. So what happens is Tim shows up, he's the pizza delivery guy. He shows up in the library, he has a pick of his child, and he tells um Brooke, Peyton, Lindsay, Haley, I think Mia's there as well. He tells them that, like, oh, this is my kid, his name's Nathan. <laughs> And and like and that's all we see. And then a couple episodes later, we see Bevan. And then Bevan's like, oh, I had a kid of my own. And then shows the same exact picture. And then that's when Brooke looks at the picture. And she's like, what? What? Oh, my God. And that's literally just a throwaway reference right there. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> and then she doesn't appear again until that little scene in season nine. Right? When... Yeah, we don't see her until season nine when she, like, offici- I think she officiates the wedding between Clay and, uh, Clay and Quinn. You're right. And then at the end of the episode, the end of the series finale, we see her and Skills together. Are they together? We're sort of led to believe that, like, they got back together at that point. Yeah, I think we definitely are led to believe that. So I don't know if they got married. Who knows? But that was, like, a really nice little subtle scene just to show because i guess they didn't really have time to like really dive into like a real storyline mm-hmm. between the two of them but i don't know it was just a nice little reference it's kind of funny that she was in the final moments actually yeah <laughs> for as little of a character as she was Mm-hmm. and isn't she a yoga teacher in new york now i don't know anything about her <laughs> i remember seeing like a what you call it uh like a special for like a Lifetime movie she was in. Not a Lifetime movie she was in, but like a Lifetime movie that the One Tree Hill cast was in and she just showed up and she's like, oh, I'm a yoga teacher in New York. Maybe we could take some yoga classes from her one day. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Speaking of oh, other gosh. Tree Hill cheerleaders, Haley started in this episode. Yeah, Haley ends up joining the cheerleaders full time, which... I don't know. What do you think about that? Other than the fact that it's obviously just a plot device to try to, like, incorporate her with the rest of the characters. Yeah, that's what it definitely is. <laughs> I mean, yeah, she just becomes a part of the team consistently. As more so, like, that's featured, I guess, more so in season three and four. Yeah. But I I almost, like, forget that she's not on the team in the beginning. <laughs> you know? Because I always, you know, think of her as being on the team with everyone else. Yeah, it is funny to think about that, like, oh, she got some joining the team full time. What? <laughs> but yeah, like, did you have any problems with her joining the cheerleaders full time? Because, like, I know, like, um, I had a friend who was watching us and was like, I just can't believe she's a cheerleader. Yeah, you wouldn't think that Haley would actually want to be a cheerleader, honestly. Yeah. And I don't think she actually wants to. Like, Brooke just asked her to do it, and then Haley's just like, fine, I'll do it. I think, yeah, she gets roped into it, and then. Just because her other friends and her boyfriend is part of the team, too. Yeah. Well, she and Nathan aren't even... 
actually, now that I'm thinking about this, I have to like think about the exact timeline of when this happens. She ends up joining the cheerleading squad full time when she and Nathan weren't even together, right? I think you're right. Yeah. So that's kind of weird to think about, like the fact that she's she's on the cheerleading squad now. Like, are they trying to say that she had to change herself a little bit? Because I don't actually endorse that message. No, I don't. I don't think there's like a bigger message about her being on the team or not being on the team but or an unintentional like message like this could be this could be shadow Haley and light Haley <laughs> right here i think you're going too deeply into this but no, basically see, I, I am being serious you're laughing but i am being serious here <laughs> basically i think it's a little out of character for her to be a cheerleader but i don't think there's like a deeper message to it <laughs> Not a, not intentionally, at least. I don't know. I'm going to be on the lookout for that once we get to those episodes in season three. I'll be like, wait a minute. Like, you know, thinking about it right now, I'd feel better about it if Haley was, Haley became a cheerleader, like, when her and Nathan were together, officially. Or back yeah. together, officially. I feel like I have to rewatch season three to think about it from that perspective. Yeah, and we'll get there eventually. But <laughs> Slow but sure. <laughs> but we'll say I'm, I'm curious to analyze this and then come back here and be like, uh, watch, I might be able to say something be like, this is patriarchal bullshit. Why didn't she do this? <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's there, you'll call it out, Jeremy. I'm confident <laughs> in that. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll get another one star review from somebody being like, this is SJW bullshit. Anyway, um, don't leave us one star reviews. Leave us five star reviews. If you have a problem with us, please email us. Wow. Um, so yeah, I can't believe that we are going, that we are on season one, episode 17 right now. Like, I didn't even think we would get this far. But that's what happens when you wish impossible things. <laughs> which is the title of season one, episode 18, which we will be discussing next time. The title is To Wish Impossible Things. According to our OTH DVD box sets, the description reads... Boys and girls together. Such a foreign concept. What? (laughs) The annual boy toy charity auction leads to some odd couplings. Mouth and Brooke, Nathan and Peyton, Jake and Nikki, Lucas and Haley, and Dimble Raven's jock Tim with Deb. Till next time. Hit them pits. And cover that zit. (laughs) 